about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. start what I have here. Let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Most of you know who I am, but I, my name's Barbara Shipley, and I'm a mother of four, grandmother of ten. Some of them are out there. <laughs> and I just love it. God so blessed me with these little ones and these people in my life. And I've been coming to Victory, Treasure Coast Victory Center for about 11 years now. And no one called me up and said, hey, Barb, here's a good church. You should come here. No one said it. I was at home. I told him my testimony. I was at home washing dishes. And I heard somebody speak. I said, who is that? I, I had a hunger in me for more. The song that says I want more, I wanted more. And I didn't know how to get it. And he had me with my little antennas go listen to Pastor Tom, who was on TBN one night teaching. And I said, that's what I want. So I found out through the grapevine how to get here. So I've been here for like 11 years. Okay, and that was totally orchestrated by God because let me tell you that God, man sees the outside, but God sees the heart. And he saw my heart and he saw I was hungry for more. And if you're hungry for more, he can't wait to give it to you. He wants you to have it more than you do. So when I said that, that's how he led my little feet right here. Now, having said that, when I came in here and things started happening... <laughs> I was a little like, wow, really? But, it, you know, the Holy Spirit was moving and, and people were falling and things were happening and, and he quickened me and he said, remember, if, you, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Said, oh, Lord, I'm not ashamed of you. He said, that's right, you're not. That's why you're here. I said, oh, okay. So having, moving on, when I totally gave myself to him, which is part of my message today, you'll see is when he started opening things up to me like never, never before. And I tried, James kind of understands because I told him one day, I called him pictures. I still call him pictures and sometimes God will give me pictures. And sometimes it's just for me. I said, oh, that's so nice. But sometimes it's for somebody else and sometimes it's for a group as a whole. Well, I never told this to Pastor Tom, but I'm gonna tell him now, he's on the hook. <laughs> About a year ago, I got a vision in this church. I call it picture, somebody else calls it vision, you call it what you like. I was standing at the front and facing to the back and the Lord quickened this to me before I came tonight to share this with you before I teach. So you'll understand where all, where, why he did this. I, those back doors back there opened up wide and then they disappeared. Now mind you, I'm in church, I'm not at home, I'm not dreaming, I'm standing in church and he's showing me this in my face. The whole back, from the doors back to the foyer, back to the kitchen, all turned into a big field, a big grassy field. And at first I thought, oh, our church, if we're gonna get another church, it's gonna be a bigger church. And he said, no, the harvest is ripe. That's what he said tonight. So this message actually, I know the Holy Spirit leads Pastor Tom for a couple of different reasons. One, because this falls right in line with the other two messages that just came two, two weeks ago. Hers was perseverance, someone else preached on unity, and all of these things are going to be necessary in these times that we're coming into. Okay, so I knew that I was supposed to share. I didn't know why God gave it to me. 
I explained that to him. I'm minding my own business, and God just gave it to me. And I'm writing everything down, and I said, okay, Lord, if it's you, then you tell Pastor Tom to ask me, because I'm not going to ask. It's not my place to ask. I'm not the pastor here. I'm only somebody out in the crowd listening. Well, I don't know, maybe it took two weeks, and he came along and asked me. <laughs> and he's never asked me. So I said, okay, Lord, I guess that was you then. I guess. <laughs> so here I am, setting the stage for you. Okay, my message tonight is actually called Through His Eyes. But the first part that I go through, my relationship with Christ is just like I'm talking to you right now. I talk to him just like I'm talking to you right now. He's my friend, the best friend ever. And so sometimes I'll be doing my own thing and he'll just say something to me. And that's how this got started. I was walking, doing my house chores one day. And he said, you know, mankind is in three positions me being the talker that I am, I didn't let him finish his, his thought. And I said, oh, but Lord, there's only two, saved and unsaved. He said, I said, conditions, not positions. Oh, the spiritual position is either dead or it's alive. It's either in the light or the darkness. You're either saved or you're not. Two positions, but he said, conditions. There are three conditions in the human, in the human heart, okay? So... Now, this may sound a little redundant. Maybe you think, oh, I heard this in Sunday school, but just bear with me. The first condition is obvious. It's the unsaved. And they're in total darkness. And I even looked up the word darkness, or the word, the word unsaved and the word darkness. And the word dark is absence of light, gloomy, in secrecy, and in ignorance. And Tom has preached before that they're ignorant. They really don't know. They're in the dark. They can't see, just like if you, if your power went off and you were trying to find something, you're stumbling all over the place, you're hurting yourself, you're falling, you don't know which way you're going. It's like the unsaved living their lives, okay? Their spiritual eyes are closed. They're living by the flesh. Their motives or their desires are what they're living by. Like, what's, what's good for me? What benefits me? It's all selfishness. So it helps you understand people because he... He's taking me through to understand people because when we have a flood coming through that door, and I totally believe we will because of the vision that he gave me, for lack of a better way to put it, we're going to need to know what to do with these people because if we can't love our own family, if we can't you know, react to people that are in our own close-knit lives, how are we going to react to people that come through that door that we don't even know? So this is where this all comes from. Now, we know that God is the light, and if you're in darkness and you're unsaved, you're going to stumble, you're going to believe lies, you're going to live by what you feel. Your life is going to be a big mess because of your sinful choices, not because God wants it to be that way, but because of the choices you're making. Okay. They obviously need salvation. They need the word because that's what brings light into their life because in John chapter 8, verse 12, now, by the way, mine is... Uh, New King James Version. So when I read scriptures, if a couple of your words are just a little different than mine, that's why. But it'll mean the same. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And we know John 1 and 1. We've probably heard this one many times. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So they obviously need light. They need the word. They need Jesus. Okay. They need the truth. 
The word became, this is John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the second group of people, well, let's just stop for a minute and ask, how does Jesus see these people? Because this whole message is on through his eyes. How does he see these people? Now, I'm going to stop for a moment, and I've already asked God to forgive me, but I'm going to repeat what I used to say. Charlene knows I've said it before. I used to say, God, I'm glad I'm not you, because if I was, I'd have nuked us all and started over. <sighs> now, there's no love in that statement. <laughs> so, needless to say, he's, he's helping me to grow, but I had not totally arrived. Okay, I'm, I'm working on it. <sighs> okay, so how does God see these people? Well, in Psalms chapter 78, verses 38 and 39... It says, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. So he, he has compassion. He's compassionate and ready to forgive and slow to anger and patient with them. He doesn't want to drop kick them to the curb like I always wanted to. Okay. Now... He, he has understanding. He sees them as lost and in danger of eternal death. That's what he sees when he sees them. In Hebrews 4 and 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he has understanding. These are the qualities we are to have for the unsaved. Okay? Well, for anybody, but you know, for this group of people especially. And then in Matthew 18, 11, it says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. He sees them as lost, in danger of eternal death. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That was the first, group, first condition of people. The second condition of people are new believers, or some who are not necessarily new believers, but they're just not growing. And they would be termed as babies in the Lord. Even if they've been saved 25 years, if they had not been in the word, they're still babies in the Lord, just real big babies, okay? So, so they have some light in their life. They're saved, they're born again, but it's only their spirit that was changed and their soul, their mind, will, and emotions needs discipling, growth, understanding, and then the body follows and gets in line with the spirit and the soul. Well, if they're considered babies in the Lord, let's see, Barb had four of those, what do babies do? Well, Charlene knows about that too. They whine. Now, now think about someone who's just gotten saved, a new, brand new Christian. They're not bad, but they don't, they don't have understanding. So they whine. They make messes. They lack understanding. They're ignorant. They need a lot of attention. They'll eat almost anything, and that means word, wrong information. They don't understand danger. They are a continuous job, and they need to be washed a lot. Now, they get washed with the water of the word. That's what washes people. They don't see the dirt in their lives yet because they need to be taught to grow. So they're ignorant. They lack knowledge. They're unaware. They're uninformed, uneducated, untutored. And obviously we grow when we're in the word. And we know washing the water of the word because in Ephesians 5 and 25 and 26, it's talking to husbands, but it's the same Instruction, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 
that he might sanctify or make them holy or set apart and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. So they need to eat God's word to grow. Now, how fast they grow depends on how hungry they are for the word and how much they eat. So when you have somebody in your life that's been saved for 25 years and you can't figure out why they keep acting so ridiculous, it might be because they have not been taking a bath in the word. Okay, now the third group of people, bear with me because I'm going to try not to take too long. The third group of people are the mature believers. And this group, um, God allows them to see things that are in them that are not of them and need to go. He shines a light bright in you as you're hanging in. The longer you hang with him, the brighter you get. And let's just say a loving parent corrects their child and a child should receive the correction because they know they're loved because they were told. And one thing he recently corrected me on, which I will share with you, he said, Barb, don't judge people. I said, oh, Lord, I don't judge people. And, of course, I didn't let him finish his statement once again. (laughs) And he came along and he said, well, you do in your thoughts and sometimes in your standoffishness where maybe you don't respond in the loving way I wish you would. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. So, so he's teaching me. I'm still growing in those areas, too, because I didn't even realize I did it. You know, he'll point things out to you many times that you're doing. You don't even realize you're doing it. But as a parent would correct their child, that's what he's doing. The more time we spend in the Word or in his presence, the brighter we get in the light of understanding that we have to share with others. So in Isaiah 60, verse 2, said, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. So the more time you spend in the word, the brighter you get. Glory, I looked up that word. And it says it's a distinguishing quality or asset. People will be able to see that you're different. They should be able to see something different about you in a good way. As a mature believer, your love should shine brightly for others. You should stand out in a positive way and others should want what you have and you should be producing good fruit. They should want to know why you have a smile on your face when everything seems to be going awful for them. They should want to know what is it about you. And that's when you have a moment to share. Okay, so why should people want your gospel if you don't act any different than they do? The Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God is in us. And this scripture next is how we should respond to people. That's in James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is how we're supposed to respond to treat people with the wisdom of God in us. Peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. We don't always get our way full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality. We shouldn't be picking and choosing who we're going to love and who we're not. And without hypocrisy. We shouldn't say, oh, yes, we love people, and then we act terrible behind the door when it's closed. Now, the second, the first part was the condition of people and giving your whole self to God. Because when you open your whole self up to him, The only one you care about what they think of is Jesus. It's the only one you care is who thinks of you, what he thinks of you. You know, he asked me one day (laughs) if I was willing to be embarrassed for him. And I had to stop and think about that. And then I said, yes, Lord, I am. 
So if anybody, you know, sees me have a reaction in church or, or you know, if I say something about my Lord that I love so much and they walk away thinking, gee, she's a fruitcake, you know, and I hear them say it, I just let it go right off because I know who my Lord is and I know I'm his and he's mine. So I am willing to be embarrassed for him because he asked me that one day. I said, yes, Lord, I am. Okay, so now the second half of this is to walk in love. That's the second thing we have to do when the people start coming in. First, we need to know what condition they're in. Then we need to walk in love. And I asked God one day, I said, Lord, this love thing, everybody says, oh, just walk in love. I said, I don't know how to do that when these people are acting so nutty. How do I do that? It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It's not easy. So, I'm honest. Okay, so in Ephesians 5 and 2, it says, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That's the part I know. It's the how to do it that I didn't know. Well, God is love, so you walk according to the word. And in 1 John 4 and 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I notice he didn't say only love the ones that are nice. I couldn't find that in there anywhere. I was hoping, but I couldn't find it. So he brought me to a scripture everybody's heard a whole bunch of times, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, because this is true love, true love. And every new married couple, every old married couple, anybody that wants to really know what true love is well here goes pastor said it a bunch of times love suffers long Ooh, I don't like that word suffer but it suffers long that means you're patient okay and it's kind it does not envy it does not parade itself it's not puffed up it doesn't behave rudely it does not seek its own it's not provoked it thinks no evil it does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. And I've had a couple of experiences that, with that recently in my life. Because before I came tonight, let me just pause for a moment and say the devil's so stupid. He, he threw so many things at me in the last two weeks and I knew that's what he was doing. Like, really? I'm coming anyway. You just watch. He kept throwing stuff at me. I mean, big things. Uh, my son, emergency, had to have surgery on his eye. My cat of 11 years wouldn't eat for almost two weeks, and I thought she was going to die. And these, are, to me, those are major. Okay, maybe not to you, but to me, they are. A uh, couple of family members were, you know, I'll be polite. <laughs> They were having attitudinal problems. We'll put it that way. And so, so you know, I said, Lord, help. He said, just love them. I said, what? Could you say that again? Just love them. So I did. And as I move on, you'll see some of the instructions on how to do that because I had to have instructions myself. And since then, I'll just say real quick, one of them already texted me and apologized and said how much they love me. And another one, you know, was always also so kind to me and even wanted to take me out to eat. So this is God. This is not, you know. Okay, I'll move on. Okay, so in 1 John 4 and 21, it says, This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, that's pretty easy if you've got a cool brother, but if you have one that's not so cool, huh, 
Okay, I have two brothers. One's with the Lord now, but I can just say one of them was a challenge. Okay. Okay, now he took me to, and he said, Barb, don't forget where you were before salvation. Now, pastor has taught on that as well, but it bears repeating. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, it says, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God, as such were some of you. Now, I'm not going to ask you what you were, but you were probably one of those. <laughs> hey, it's your personal walk with God, not mine, okay? And he said, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus yeah. and by the Spirit of our God. Right. So, if you see people come in, or even in your daily life, someone that, you know, associates with you somehow, and you're thinking, oh, Lord, what did you send me? Don't have that attitude. You, I'll take you through some of the things he's told me to do because I need all the instruction I can get. Okay? And here it comes. First of all, whatever he says, do it. Be led by the Spirit, not quick to judge or get into anger. Pray in the Spirit. Don't forget where you came from, which I just read you. Before salvation, you were sinning too. And if you weren't, well, you need prayer because you're lying. Okay? <laughs> so, number. Okay. First thing he said to me is to be slow to anger. In Psalms 103 and 8, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. So when that person in your life that you would like to drop kick to the curb that you can't because you're walking in love, you have to hold, don't, don't get angry so quick. Remember the three things that he told me, the conditions they're in. Are they saved? Well, if they're not, you know they're in the dark anyway. Are they saved, but they just got saved and they really don't understand much or they're not really in the word and they're, you know, living like the world anyway? Or are they mature believers who probably should know better, but you love them and you ask God what you should say or not say with that person? Okay. Second, do good to your enemies. Now, these people will feel like your enemies because of some of the things they say and do, which you can't believe they said and did. <laughs> but they're not because God will show you that. If you really want to poke the devil in the eye, you go to Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22, and it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you'll heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now that is a win-win if I ever heard one. Amen. Okay? Maybe somebody that you don't like very well, you maybe you give them some money and buy them lunch. And they're like, why are you buying me lunch? I just treated you like a dog yesterday. Okay, they can't figure that out. And so the heaping coals of fire on their head is like conviction because they know what they did was stinky and they shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, God rewards you for showing that act of love when they totally didn't deserve it because we didn't deserve his act of love, the ultimate act that he did for us. Okay. The third one. Oh God, do I need help with this one? He said, Barb, watch what you say. I said, God, it's so hard for me not to talk. And he said, watch what you say. A wrong word said can cause a lot of harm. One wrong thing said, someone might remember, 10 years later you said that. Of course, they need deliverance for holding in unforgiveness, but we're not going to go there. Okay, Psalms 34, 13 says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. 
So before it opens up, we've got to think. That's the hard part because mine just wants to open and run. Okay. Psalms 19 and 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That should be a prayer that I pray every day. I don't know about you. That's, that's mine. Okay. In Matthew 10, 19, and 20, it says, If you're being persecuted when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaks in you. So many times when he tells me to be quiet, that's the hard part. If I'm quiet long enough, he'll tell me what to say. Or sometimes he'll just tell me don't speak at all. And I can tell you I always get the result that God wanted. As long as I don't jump and start talking. Okay, unless he tells me to. So you speak when you need to. Be quiet when you don't. Let the Holy Spirit, in his still small voice, tell you what to say or not to say. <clears throat> and then the fourth here, don't forget the true battle that's going on with the people. You can't just look at what they look like on the outside. Because, you know, I, I don't have the scripture in front of me, but the Bible tells me to be careful who you entertain because it could be angels unaware. Sometimes when you see people, they really could be an angel in, in people's clothing, and you just don't know they were an angel. You don't know. They might look like, you know, a mess, but it may be an angel and, you know, maybe you gave them something, you know, bought them something to eat or you did something nice for them or whatever. You know, God doesn't miss anything, I'm just saying. Okay. Um, people are being influenced continuously by either God or the devil. Continuously. So we need to have God talking to us continually, which is through his word, because we don't want the devil to have a chance to get in there and say the nasty things he wants to say. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's in Ephesians 6 and 12. I know pastors taught on that. But against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we're not fighting the flesh, so to speak. It's the spirit that's in them. And all this nonsense that's going on in the United States right now with all this election mess and everything else, if you don't see that's a spiritual battle, then you need to come talk to Pastor Tom or me or somebody and we'll let you know it is. Because it's just so obvious. It's a spiritual battle. You know, because, yes, this is where God's helping me to grow. When, when somebody's on TV and they start saying something, they say, oh, that's so stupid. And you say, mm -mm. shh. Because <laughs> I really want to say, oh, that person's so stupid. No, they're ignorant. They really don't know. And that's what he's showing me. So, pray is the next one. Praying always with all power and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, this can be in, in English or your native tongue or whatever, but the best of all, best of all, best is in tongues. And even though you may not know what you said, God does, and it's you yielding yourself to let him say what he needs to say for that thing to change for that problem that's going on and my favorite part is the devil has no idea what you said it's a party he's never invited to okay okay matthew 5 and 44 says but i say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit in you, this would be impossible. But it's the Holy Spirit in you that helps you to do that. 
Okay, love is not a feeling, it's a choice. And sometimes we have to repeat that. I, I've shared with Charlena before when I've really been having crazy things going on in my life, I've actually stopped, stared upwards and said, God, I love my family. God, I love my family. And repeated that mantra about 10 times because, you know, and then you know what? It, it really felt better after that. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what I've been through. Okay. If, <laughs> Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, if we, if we want to be fully used by God, we have to walk in love, and that's what I'm learning to do. That's what he's showing me to do and how. Remember, he chose us with unconditional love first. He chose us, and we really smelled bad. We never had a bath. Can you imagine how bad we smell before we got washed with the word? I don't want to go there, okay? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, this is in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So he chose us before the foundation of the world. Now that blows my mind. Before I was ever even a thought, before my father was ever even a thought, he chose me. And, and so he knew what we were going to be like before he chose us. I like to see it as like a, a picture in progress, a painting, you know. Right now, I don't see the painting as it totally is. When I look in the mirror, I'm like, hmm, okay. But, but God does. He sees the whole painting because he made each one of us individuals, and he needs each one of us. None of us are accidents. I don't care what your parents told you. You're not an accident, okay? No. You're needed here on this earth in this time right now. Well, I mean, my mother's not here to, to stick up for herself, but she did indeed tell me the last two of us weren't planned. And I was one of the last two. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So we do the praying, the praying part, but the angels do the fighting on our behalf. They're doing the battles in the spiritual realm that we cannot see. And that's why, you know, I forget all the words to the song, but, you know, even when it, it doesn't feel like he's working, he's working. It is so true because I've seen this happen many times. I've, I've shared with Charlena before, uh, my brother got saved when he was 49 and my mother and me and my sister were praying for his little stinky butt for about hmm, since he was 20 29 years it took before he finally woke up and had a clue but I'm so humbled by that because God used him to share the gospel with my other brother who was dying of cancer and my other brother got saved three weeks before he died through the brother who got saved so we can't give up on our prayers no matter how it looks you know, because I've been guilty for that when I had to ask God to forgive me. Wherever, see, this is the judgment thing that he's teaching me, the mumbling under my breath. Well, geez, they're never going to get saved. No, don't do that. Don't do that. That's what he's telling me. Don't do that. No. And he's telling me that in love. Because Charlena taught on your seed, your seed faith. Well, every time we do that, it's like we're like a dog going into the field and digging the seed back up and then wondering why nothing grew. You got to let the seed grow. Now, I don't know why my brother took 29 years. That's a long growing seed there. But, but he grew. It happened. So that's what we need to know. God's working on it. Okay? So we're gonna, we pray the word over people, whether it's, whether it's the word in our native language or whether it's in tongues. We pray over people. Um, there's more scriptures here on how God sees people. Psalms 40 and 5. And don't worry, I only have like one page left. I don't know what time it is. I don't watch. 
Psalm 40 and 5, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's how many good thoughts he has towards us. He can't even number them. So his thoughts are definitely good toward us. And you know Jeremiah 29, uh, probably everybody does that, verse 11. I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So no matter what somebody looks like, these are the thoughts that God has towards them. You know, if you have a relative or a friend or an acquaintance or somebody that's just repeatedly doing things that are destructive, just remember that God's not done with them. Don't give up on your prayers. Do not give up because we win. Okay. Matthew 23, 37, he wants to protect us. He's standing out there and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Now, this is how he feels towards us. He wants to gather us to him and protect us like a mother hen would protect her chicks. So, you know, anytime you feel like, you know, he doesn't care about you or, or you know, he just is going to let dangerous things happen to you. No. Stay hooked into him. Stay in his word. Keep your hand in his. And he's going to protect you with a vicious protection. I love that. Don't mess with his kids. Okay. John 8. Well, I'm snickering too, but I read in this, I don't have it in front of me, but I know uh, I, one of the, I don't know who it was, said, uh, don't touch mine anointed. And, and we're all anointed because we have the Holy Spirit in, you, in us. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for teaching us that. And so, you know, when someone touches one of God's kids, you know, in an evil way, well, God says it'd be better for them if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were drowned in the sea. So that's how he feels about his kids. So you don't mess with his kids. That's why, and this is another one real quick. That's why whenever I've heard a preacher on TV or I've been to another church or there's another believer or whatever, and you know, they say something that's kind of out there, you know, and I really, you know, this problem again, I really want to say something, <laughs> then I, I can't do it because even though they may be in misunderstanding, maybe they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, it's not my, it's not my kid, it's God's kid. <laughs> and I'm not going to hurt God's kid because, you know, I've been hurt by other believers in the past and, you know, God just took care of it for me. You know, I didn't have to be mean or vicious or anything. He just took care of it for me. Okay, enough of that. <clears throat> he forgives and gives us another chance. You know, I used to hear on TV, I think it was, um, oh, who was it? Uh, Robert's, uh, or Robert's son. But, yeah, Richard. And Oral as well used to say God is a God of second chances. Well, I'll tell you what, when he picked me, I think he was the God of about 5,229 extra chances. You know, I think it's more than two. So he, he wants to give us more chances. And so in John chapter 8, verses 3 through 5, 7, 10, and 11, it said, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman. This is the woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that, the, that she should be stoned. What do you say? And he raised himself up to them. 
He said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Of course he knew they didn't because he knew they all had sinned too. And she said, no one, Lord. And he, so Jesus said to her, neither do I content, condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, that's how he treats us. He forgives us and gives us another chance. Did we deserve it? No. We didn't deserve it in the first place. That's the, that's the, the grace that we just can't quite grasp how he loves us that much that we don't get what we deserve. That's really what that means. Okay, so some people in the very last, and I, am, I promise this is the last, some people are going to be under demonic influence. No, I'm not a nut. I'm not out there in space somewhere. This is the truth. They're going to be under demonic influence. And if the Holy Spirit is working through you, many times he will show that to you. Now, if, you know, I'm not saying always, but I'm saying many times he will. Many times you can be out and about somewhere, you know, because all the gifts are in you. It's just a matter of when one's needed at what time. Because the same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you and in you and everybody else. So, <laughs> he may show you in a shopping center that someone's under the influence and it's not alcohol, it's a, it's a devil. So, he may tell you to do something or not do something. He may tell you to say something or not say something, but you have to follow his lead and do what he says or do, don't do what he says don't do. Okay, enough of that. So, this, these last two scriptures in Matthew 17, verses 15 and 18, is where there was an, an attempt of suicide. And I'm not saying all people in mental institutions are demonically influenced, but I'm saying probably a real good portion of them are. Okay? And so many of them can be delivered without all these medications and all this stuff they're doing to them. Okay, so in Matthew 17, it says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, now I noticed right away he didn't look at the father and say, what kind of a bad father are you? How did you bring him up that he acts like this? Or he didn't look at the child and say, have you been eating those funny leaves out in the bushes that dad told you not to? He didn't do any of that. He just rebuked the demon that was in the child and it came out. So that's where the blame lies. Just saying. Okay. Mark chapter 5, verse 2 and 5 and 8 and 15. This is somebody that's out of his mind and no, it's not me, but whatever. Okay. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. And always at night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, I got to stop right here and say that I'm not going to use a name because that's not right. But I knew a person very well that would cut themselves. This is demonic. This, and it's right here and it is showing you in the scripture. Anybody who wants to cut themselves and watch themselves bleed, that's obviously not God. It's demonic because that's where this comes from. So this guy's in the tombs. He's running around, you know dead people and he's cutting himself and he's crying out and when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and worshipped him and he cried out with a loud voice and said what have I to do with you Jesus son of the most high God now notice in this one he ran and worshipped him that's what he really wanted was to worship him he wanted help and he ran to Jesus for help but then the demon in him spoke 
So sometimes when people speak and you can't believe that came out of their mouth, well, that's not really the real them. That's the demon using them. And that's what was happening here. And he said, Jesus, the most high God, what have I also to do with you? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit, because that's what it was. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Okay, well, they knew this guy and what he was doing all this time, and all of a sudden he's normal, like, who? Well, this is, this is our God. This is what he does. He's here to, to deliver and to set people free. And this man wanted that, and Jesus knew that. So this is a demonic spiritual problem. Jesus saw the past, the physical, and the right to the, to the spirit. He saw right to it. He, he get, got past the physical on this guy and saw right to the spirit and the problem that was there. So having said this, I'm glad I appreciate you tolerating me. <laughs> this is what's been heavy on my mind because I truly believe that there's going to be a really big move in this church and I think that's why these things are in order and being set up here because I think people are going to come through that door looking for truth. They're going to be looking for truth. They're going to be looking for something besides just a little clapping of the hands and leaving. They're going to want deliverance. They're going to want, you know, healing. They're going to want things that they're not going to get in a lot of other places because unfortunately, and I've been in a few of them, a lot of churches are good people, but they're just playing church. They don't really want the full move of God in their church. They're worried, I think, which is not of God, that they'll lose some people. Oh, if I let the Holy Spirit do that, well, these people leave and never come back, and who's going to put money in the offering then? Okay, but their heart is not in the right place because if it was, they would want that because that delivers people. And the more people get delivered, the more they run and tell somebody they got delivered. And guess what? Your church gets full. Hello. So they're not thinking in the right terms. You know, so I'm going to leave you with that. And I hope maybe you got a little piece of something out of there that when you see somebody, you know, remember to see it through his eyes. the key.